Okay. So today we are covering Khabira number 14, which is Al-Kadibu ala Allah Azza wa Jalla wa ala Rasulihi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Lying against Allah, making false statements about Allah, or attributing false statements to Allah, and attributing false statements to Rasulullah So lying against Allah and lying against his messenger. How do we know this is a major sin? Allah states in the Quran, وَيَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ تَرَى الَّذِينَ كَذَبُوا عَلَى اللَّهِ وُجُوهُهُمْ مُسْوَدَّةِ That the faces of those who lie against Allah in this world, on the day of resurrection, their faces will be darkened. In another verse, Allah says, وَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ مِمَّنِ افْتَرَى عَلَى اللَّهِ كَذِبًا Who can be more unjust than, who, than the one who lies against Allah. وَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ مِمَّنْ افْتَرَى عَلَى اللَّهِ كَذِبًا أَوْ قَالَ أُوحِيَ إِلَيَّ وَلَمْ يُوحَ إِلَيْهِ شَيْءٍ Or claims that I have received revelation. Why not receiving revelation? أَوْ قَالَ سَأُنْزِلُ مِثْلَ مَا أَنْزَلَ اللَّهِ Or he says that I will reveal something similar to what Allah has revealed. So lying against Allah, attributing false statements to Allah. Allah said, Allah said in the Quran, right? And people do this. I remember when we were young, I, I've heard this a number of times, that uh, Allah says in the Quran that you should not, um, try to find the term in English. You know when you give somebody up? Uh, no, Allah says in the Quran that you should not grasp. <laughs> Huh? You should not give somebody up, you should cover. This is not a statement of the Quran. People have made it into, okay, we were children at the time. If anything, Quran tells you if you have information that somebody has done something and you are asked to make, to be a witness against them, then come as a witness. You have to be witness against your own self if you have done something wrong. You have to witness against your parents if they have done something wrong. You have to witness against your child if, they have the, if your child has done something wrong. Your spouse, you witness against them. There's no covering up because they're your family members. So this is an example. People just make things up. Yeah. So, somebody who says that uh, Allah has sent me revelation. Well, Allah has not sent him revelation. The biggest one is Musaylim al-Kathab, one of the biggest. Rasulullah said that there will be 40 people who will claim receiving prophethood from Allah. Yeah. They will claim that they are prophets. One of them was Musaylim al-Kathab. And look how when Allah misleads someone and allows for someone to go astray, then absolutely there is none that can guide this person. So he is lying to his people and he said, I have received revelation. That's fine, to a certain degree. You know, he wants a position and he wants respect amongst his people and he wants to benefit. But he believes this lie and he goes to the extent as to write into Rasulullah And he says, this is from Musaylama to Muhammad, the messenger of Allah. I have been included in what Allah has sent you with. <laughs> like Rasulullah will not be told by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Musaylama is the one who has to inform him. It is not, we're not saying that it is impossible, it happened with Musa. But Musa requested that Harun be made the messenger. Right? Now this person does what? He writes and he says that Allah has made me a messenger like you are a messenger. And that we are going to divide the world into two parts. And then he comes up with some bogus uh, verses to his people, right? Like uh, Rasulullah has Surah Al-Fil, so he, he attempts uh, something. And actually, the people who were around him, who were intelligent, knew that he was lying. But they wanted what? What causes a person to do this is seeking authority in this world. 
And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ends the verse. Man Allah bin Manifta, O Kala Uhiya Ilayya, O Zamin Yuha Ilayhi Shay, O Makala Sounzi Mithama and Zalla, or Tara, either Dali Muna Moka, Tara, the Dali Mufi Amarati Mouti or Marai to us, Akhrajan, Ayomatu Zona, Azab and Muni Bimakuntum, the step the owner of the Algai Al Hapi, Akuntum and Bimakuntum Takulun, Allah, Gaira Al Hapu, Akuntum and Ayati, the step the room. The reason for this is that a person seeks authority and they want to be raised in status and they know that religion is a powerful tool right? and they also know that there is, there is no way to verify it so if you fool people know who is going to be there to question you and people will just follow so um, the examples are number one a person claims to have received uh, I, attributes a false statement to Allah, number one. Number two, claims to have received revelation. Right? We have this Ahmad Mirza uh, in, in, in Qadiani, in, in the recent ages. Right? And now, Ahmadi Muslim. Huh? Yeah, yeah. They claim that they are Muslim. They are not Muslims. We are Muslims. We don't accept them as Muslims. They can call themselves what they want. <laughs> call yourself what you want. Right? But according to the principles of Islam, Rasulullah is the last messenger. La nabiya ba'di wa ya ummata ba'dakum. Right? There is no messenger to come after. Khatamun nabiyin. Muhammadun Rasulullah. Ma kana Muhammadun aba ahadim min rijalikum alaki Rasulullahi wa khataman nabiyin. Rasulullah is the final, the seal of all prophets and messengers. Or somebody who claims that they can uh, do what? They say, oh, there is no Qur'an, no big deal. We can uh, bring something forward like Qur'an. And I actually, I have come across somebody. Um, I don't know how I came across it, but uh, on YouTube, some, some person who's made verses on surahs, right? And he recites them. And he says, oh, this is like Qur'an, look. You know, it's got meaning and it's wisdom and what have you. <laughs> and the, the, the amazing thing that this person doesn't see because the person recites it and he recites it just like Quran and he takes the rules of Tajweed of Quran and he puts them to his revelation or whatever he wants to call it right? and he does idgham and ikhfa and mad and he recites it in the same style and then he says I brought something new so this is a major sin um, and Ibn al-Jawzi says that in interpreting uh, this verse, he says, Some scholars hold that lying about Allah and his Prophet is unbelief that puts one beyond the fold of Islam. And this is true. Somebody that makes a claim like this, that I can bring a verse like the Quran, or this is revealed from by Allah, right? The claim of some that uh, Quran has some chapters missing that were consumed or ate by by a goat, <laughs> right? All of this is what? Something that takes a person out of the fold of Islam, if you make a claim such as this, right? So there's two types of lying against Allah and against his messenger. One is when you make a clear false statement and attribute it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, something that Allah did not say, something that Rasulullah did not say, this person is, what is happening to them? They're on the verge or at times they have crossed this line and the boundary of Islam now. They have disbelieved because Islam is to submit to everything that Allah has revealed. And you are making up things. Right? You are not submitting to what Allah has revealed. You're making up your own deen and your own religion. Right? So, that some scholars hold that lying about Allah and his messenger is unbelief that puts one beyond the pale of Islam. And he says, there is no doubt that a premeditated lie against Allah and his messenger that declares something which is unlawful to be permissible or something permissible to be unlawful is pure unbelief. Yeah. The example of this, somebody that says that alcohol is halal. This is pure unbelief. 
Why? Because the statement is very clear in the Quran. And ulama have interpreted this statement very clearly. Right? Somebody that says zina is permissible. Somebody that says that you do not have to pray five daily prayers. You do not have to fast the month of Ramadan. Right? So they make what is halal into haram. And what is haram into halal. Nobody has authority to do that except Allah and his messenger. With the passing of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam, what was left as halal at that time remains halal until the day of Qiyamah. And what was left as haram by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam will remain haram until the day of Qiyamah. Nobody is allowed to alter the command of Allah, legislation. You can't change something that you have a judgment on by Allah and his messenger. And Allah says, وَلَا تَقُولُوا لِمَا تَصِفُ أَلْسِنَتُكُمُ الْكَذِبَ هَذَا حَلَالٌ وَهَذَا حَرَامٌ لِتَفْتَرُوا عَلَى اللَّهِ الْكَذِبِ إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَفْتَرُونَ عَلَى اللَّهِ الْكَذِبَ لَا يُفْلِحُونَ Do not claim that things that have been made haram by Allah, you claim them to be halal. And the things that have been made halal by Allah, you claim them to be haram in order to lie against Allah. Then Allah Azza wa says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَفْتَرُونَ عَلَى اللَّهِ الْكَذِبَ لَا يُفْلِحُونَ Those who seek to lie and attribute false statements to Allah will never be successful. They will not be successful in this world because Allah has guaranteed that He will protect His word. You can't lie about Allah. And this is why those who attempted to do something, they tried to do what? Lie about Rasulullah They can't lie about Allah. Quran is preserved. To try as you may, you can never be successful in this world. And in Akhirah, you cannot be successful. That is definite. Okay. So if you try to make something um, through attributing a statement to Allah or lying about Allah and His Messenger to make something that is permissible and lawful and something that is unlawful, permissible, this is taking you out of the fold of Islam. And Rasulullah says in his statement that previous nations were, had uh, uh, worshipped the, the, the author, uh, authorities of their faith. Right? Priests and rabbis were worshipped other than Allah. So Sahabi said, they didn't really worship them. They worshipped, you know, God or Jesus or whatever their creed is, they didn't worship priests and rabbis. He said, did these priests and rabbis not make halal what Allah had made haram? And they did not? Did they not make haram what Allah had made halal? He said, yes, Ya Rasulullah. He says, this is their worship. Why? Because this is exclusive to Allah and His Messenger. And actually, even Rasulullah himself does not make a decision. What he informs us of has been decided by Allah. So this is very clear. If a person does this, they come out of the fold of Islam. This is not a major sin. Okay? It is a sin that takes a person out of the fold of Islam. What is a major sin then? He says the question as to when it is a major sin rather than outright unbelief only concern lies about other than that. Meaning, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says something in the Quran and you try to interpret it according to what you think. Now what is revealed by Allah is not open to interpretation. It is not human, it is not human speech that it's open to interpretation. Like, you know, the government brings out a bill or whatever, laws, and he says, well, it's open to interpretation. Everybody interprets it the way they, they see fit. Yes, because it is another human being's uh, speech, statement. This is the statement of Allah. It is not open to interpretation. Only the messenger interprets. وَأَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ الذِّكْرَ لِتُبَيِّنَ لِلنَّاسِ مَا نُزِّلَ إِلَيْهِمْ the job of the messenger is not only to recite the verses, but rather to explain that which has been revealed. 
So interpretation only comes from the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And then that is passed on to Sahaba, and Sahaba informs, inform the Tabi'een, and the Tabi'een inform the Tabi'een, tabi and so on and so forth. And it comes all the way until it reaches us. Yes, there are certain uh, verses that hold certain meanings that could not have been understood in that time. But there will not be verses relating to belief, and there will not be verses relating to legislations. Okay. Belief is Tawheed. Because belief is complete in the Quran. Legislation is complete in the Quran. What is possible is that certain meanings could not have been understood at the time of Rasulullah or at the time of Sahaba. They understood them in, in accordance to their ex human experience. And we understand them today in a different context. That is not meaning that they did not understand them at all right so the quran is not open to interpretation and this is why a person who attempts to interpret verses of the quran according to his whims and desires is lying against allah and this is a major sin so you read the verse of the quran and you say i think allah means this what do you mean you think who has given you authority to think. And likewise, the hadith of Rasulullah that you read the hadith of Rasulullah and you say to yourself that I think this is what it means. You do not have the authority, especially when it comes to legislation and when it comes to matters of, of belief. Okay? To understand the Quran, as Sahaba understand. Yes. Understanding the Quran as Sahaba understood the Quran and um, understanding the Sunnah of Rasulullah as it was understood by companions of Rasulullah because they took from it. And this is like a, a, a fallacy that people say, I'm following the Quran and Sunnah. We are all following the Quran and Sunnah, but you are not equipped to go directly to the sources. But it says in Hadith, how do you know what this hadith means? <coughs> You're reading the hadith in English or in another language. You are not qualified to go to the hadith and tell us what that hadith means. This is why we have fiqh. Fiqh is what? It is ulama who are equipped with the necessary sciences. They extract from Quran and from the Sunnah of Rasulullah how to perform worship. How to believe in Allah. How to lead your life as a Muslim. Right? So when you say fiqh, they say, oh no, brother. Uh, you know, you talk about Imam Malik said, or Imam Shafi'i said, no, no, brother, look, I'm not, I'm, I'm following Quran and Sunnah. Which Quran and Sunnah? Your own, your own interpretation of Quran and Sunnah. Right? And actually, people who make this statement, they don't realize that they are following Somebody. Yeah, you are following someone. Because when you, how did you learn how to pray? Oh, I read the book of this sheikh and that sheikh, and it has all ahadith. You are following that sheikh's interpretation of those ahadith. So who, who is better? That sheikh or somebody who is from Tabi'in, for Tabi'a Tabi'in? Huh? Even that sheikh, if he were to, to, to be asked, who has more knowledge, yourself or Imam Abu Hanifa? Yourself or Imam Malik? Yourself or Imam Shafi'i? And people make statements. Oh no, this, this opinion of Imam Abu Hanifa is not accepted. Why? Because there is a hadith of Rasulullah <coughs> Who allowed you to interpret this hadith of Rasulullah That is not the job of... Yes, fuqaha amongst themselves, they can do that. Yes? They can state the opinion of one. Of one. They are qualified to do that. Say so this is the opinion of Imam Malik. But it seems like the opinion of Imam al-Shafi'i is more correct. But that is not for you and I to. So this is lying against Allah and His Messenger. When you do what? You interpret the verses of Quran according to your whims and your desire and your intellect and your understanding. Or you interpret the hadith of statements of Rasulullah This is what I think it means. Right? So, a, a, a prime example of this is what? 
the ahadith of Rasulullah in relation to the end of times. For example, the hadith of Jibreel, he said, what are the signs of the day of judgment, of qiyamah? And he said, what? When a slave girl will give birth to her master. And you see, الحفات العرات رعاء الشائية تطاولون في البنيان أو كما قال عليه الصلاة When you see the shepherds, you know, with their heads uncovered and their who previously did not even have enough to cover their head and to wear shoes, they are now competing in what? Building high walls. High buildings, building high buildings. So he says, oh, this is what Rasulullah meant. How do you know? Do not know. Yes, it is a possibility. But you cannot attribute to Rasulullah that which... And a hadith of Rasulullah that at the end of time, the thigh of a person will inform him of what is happening in his home. Oh, this is the mobile phone. This is what? Possible interpretation. But you cannot say this is what Rasulullah... When you say this is what Rasulullah means, you are doing what? This is a general statement of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And you are doing what? <coughs> you're, specifying, you're specifying its meaning. Rasulullah left it general. It remains general until the day of Qiyamah. Understood? So this is a major sin. And Rasulullah says, Man alayya muta'amidan. The one who lies against me intentionally. Let him prepare what? Let him prepare his place in hellfire. Meaning that, that person will be in hellfire. Why? Because this person is what? He's leading himself astray and possibly leading others astray. And this is why Rasulullah uh, says that at the end of time, people will uh, appoint uh, authorities who are ignorant those in authority will go astray and will mislead the masses why because they are attributing to Allah and his messenger that which was not said by them also Rasulullah says that a person who relates a hadith about me and knowing that it is a lie, he is what? A liar. A liar that are described in the Quran by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A very common thing is what now in, in this day and age, this forwarding of messengers. Yeah? So you see, you receive what? A message and it says a hadith. And mashallah, you with your enthusiasm and your wanting da'wah and you just share it. And you do not know. If you don't know, don't share. There is no need. Because you could be thinking that you are doing something good. And instead you are doing something wrong. So either you check that hadith yourself or you ask somebody who knows. And then you forward it. You have, you know that this hadith, you've come across it, you've heard it in a khutbah, you heard it in some sort of halaqah, in study, you're aware this is a hadith of Rasulullah. For example, there are certain hadith, we all know them. إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ بِالنِّيَاتِ Simple hadith, everybody knows that, you know, actions are in accordance to their intentions, right? If you receive something of that sort, then forward it on. But do not forward on what you are not aware you are not certain that it is a statement of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And Rasulullah also said, That lying against me is not like lying against anyone else. If you say Imam Usama said this, and I didn't really say it, is no big deal, right? There could be a misunderstanding. There is mitigation. And ultimately, even if you are lying, it's not going to be 
considered a major sin. Like, why? Because it's not going to misguide people. Yeah? Usama is not an authority. But Rasulullah is an authority. He is legislator in Sharia. So if you if you lie about Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he says, and, and actually ulama have been very particular even about uh, and this is why you will hear often uh, somebody who's relating hadith will, will mention the, the words of the hadith and then he would say so they, they will relate the wording of the hadith as they remember it and then they will say it is as Rasulullah said it Meaning that if I get it wrong, then I am responsible for it, and I ask forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, you know, being careful. There is no harm in relating the summary of the, of the message. Yeah? So sort of, let's say, for example, you had a hadith in which uh, uh, you say that, you know, the meaning of this hadith is that uh, the intentions of actions are very important. There's no, no problem with that. You're conveying the message of the hadith. But don't say Rasulullah said. No. You would say what? There is a hadith and its meaning is that actions are in accordance to intentions. A person will be rewarded or punished in accordance to intentions. This is uh, because, yes, you know, da'wah and inviting people to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not exclusive to ulama. So how do I do it? If I cannot relate a hadith and I do not have knowledge of a hadith, then you do what? You call people to, through what? The meanings of a hadith without attributing that directly to the wording to Rasulullah so that you are not lying, but at the same time you are conveying the overall message of Rasulullah So this is what um, we said the major sin number 14 and we have to be um, very careful in relation to this uh, lying against Allah and lying against his messenger if a person uh, if, if it is relating to halal and haram then this person will do what will be coming out of the fold of Islam and if it is interpreting the uh, statement of Allah or interpreting the statement of Rasulullah in a way uh, that is not intended by Allah and his messenger that this person will do what will be committing a major sin for which they are punishable now somebody will say well Rasulullah uh, informs us that you know if a person makes an effort to understand something if he makes a mistake he has one reward if he has two if he makes two mis if he gets it right he has two rewards if he makes a mistake he gets he has one reward. This is for what? The person who is qualified to make an interpretation. So this person has acquired all of the sciences. He knows the context. He knows the background. He understands through other study of other ahadith. This is what Rasulullah generally means when he makes a statement like this. And he's looking for a way to do what? To interpret that hadith so that people can understand it. And this person, it is possible that they make a mistake. Right? And this happened in the lifetime of Rasulullah This is a famous, famous uh, sort of uh, hadith or incident that generally is used as evidence for what? The differences of opinion amongst ulama. Who sometimes, the same hadith, but they differ in their interpretations of that hadith. But they are qualified for it. Okay? It's not given to the general public. Why? Because they have studied uh, the body of Sharia and multiple sciences relating to Quran and to Hadith. So they know how to extract meaning, unlike somebody who is just reading translation and starts to give fatah. So the famous uh, incident is that Rasulullah uh, made it, uh, gave Sahaba an order, and he said, that none of you should pray Asr unless they are in Khaybar. This is why the Rasulullah was uh, going out um, from Medina to Khaybar. Yeah? He received uh, a command from Allah through Jibreel that you are to go to Khaybar and evict uh, its residents from it. 
So Rasulullah says to Sahaba that do not pray Asr unless you are in Khaybar. So Sahaba as they started to travel to Khaybar, the time of Asr came. Some of them said, Rasulullah said, don't pray unless you are in Khaybar. So we're just going to continue. When we get to Khaybar, we're going to pray. Others said, no. Rasulullah meant that hasten and try to make it there for, for Asr. But now it's Asr time, it's almost Maghrib actually, and the Salah time is going to pass, so we have to pray Asr. So when they arrived to Rasulullah both parties what? Said one, one of them said this, the other one said that. Rasulullah did what? He approved both of their actions. However, these people are not like us. They lived with Rasulullah and even then, ulama say that actually the people who offered Salatul Asr, they were correct. Those who did not, they made, they, they tried to understand the statement of Rasulullah but they were incorrect in, the, in, in, the, in their conclusion. Right? But since they made the effort and they are forgiven, that is how they understood it. But them and us are not the same. They spoke the language of Rasulullah the dialect of Rasulullah and they lived with Rasulullah They saw how he lived. So even, you know, you can say, well, this Sahaba didn't sit and study Usul al-Fiqh and Usul al-Tafsir and this Arabic and this Nahu and this Sarf and this Balagha and all of these uh, different sciences. But they did not study them officially. Yes? They didn't sit with a book to learn. But they were learning it from living with Rasulullah Okay, moving on. Kabira number 15. Al-Firar min al-Zahf. Fleeing from the battlefield. This is stated by uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in, 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 in Surah Al-Anfal, I believe. He says, وَمَنْ يُوَلِّهِمْ يَوْمَئِذٍ دُبُرَهُ إِلَّا مُتَحَرِفًا لِقِتَالٍ أَوْ مُتَحَيِّزًا إِلَى فِئَةٍ فَقَدْ بَاءَ بِغَضَبٍ مِنْ اللَّهِ That the one who turns his back to the enemy at the time of battle فَقَدْ بَاءَ بِغَضَبٍ مِنَ اللَّهِ That person has earned the anger of Allah. وَمَأْوَاهُ جَهَنَّمْ And his abode is hellfire. وَبِئْسَ الْمَصِيرِ And it is an evil abode. And Allah Azzawajal makes two exemptions to this. If you turn your back to the enemy in the time of war, he says two exemptions. One is because it is a tactic of war. You're turning your back in order to return. Right? Or you remove yourself from there in order to join another group of people who are more in need of your fighting. Okay? So, what we know from this verse, that the person who does, who turns his back in the battlefield, this person is considered what? They have earned the anger of Allah and their abode is Jahannam. This is what? Warning. And because of this warning, this becomes a major sin. Major sin. Okay. Now, before we get there, the first thing is, this relates to what one of the great commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is what? Jihad. Huh? I can't hear it properly. Jihad. jihad. Okay. Yeah. Suleiman is saying jihad. <laughs> <laughs> We're afraid of even saying jihad. This is, look, and this is the problem. The term jihad belongs to us. It is a term from Quran. It's been hijacked. And we now Muslims are afraid to even say jihad. Right? We become afraid. Somebody else has hijacked our, whether they are Muslim or non-Muslim. They've hijacked this term, and now we're afraid of even mentioning the word. Everybody's looking. Jihad is what? One of the commandments of Allah. And it is the way of Rasulullah. 
And yes, there are different categories and different levels of jihad. But it is what? Sahaba said, Ya Rasulullah, what is the best actions? Among the best actions, Allah's Messenger mentions, Al-Jihad fi Sabilillah, fighting for the cause of Allah. Here, it doesn't mean that jihad of nafs. There is places where Rasulullah mentions, and we mean by jihad the, 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 the struggle against the self and the lower self. But this is not the meaning in these ahadith. Or when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Or he says, A number of verses of the Quran. Right? This is what? Fighting for the cause of Allah. This is one of the greatest actions that a person does, a believer. Why? Because a Muslim is the one who submits himself to Allah. And the way that is pleasing to Allah, right? And you do that in a number of ways by fulfilling the commands of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. And in order to fulfill the commands of Allah, you are required to sacrifice certain things. In salah, you sacrifice time to pray, right? In fasting, you sacrifice what you're in, you know, fulfilling your pleasures of eating and drinking and so on and so forth. In zakah, you are what sacrificing your wealth. In hajj, you sacrifice your time and your wealth. In jihad, fi sabilillah, you are sacrificing what? Your life, which is the most valuable thing that you have. And this is why Rasulullah promises that when a person is martyred in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, fighting for the cause of Allah, that person's major and minor sins are forgiven before the drop of, the drop of blood reaches what? The ground. And that person is not they are sick they become sacred their body becomes sacred they are not to be washed right? why because that person is to remain like this this blood is going to be a witness for him or her on the day of judgment right so this is number one what the term jihad belongs to us we have to take it back and we shouldn't be afraid yes we shouldn't talk about it without knowledge uh, if you do not know what it means, then don't talk about it. Let alone uh, you know, start to develop ideologies and calling people to something that you are yourself not convinced of. You don't know anything. This is why lying against Allah and His Messenger. There are certain rules for jihad. One very important one of them is that jihad is established through a leader. Or else it be anarchy. Anybody call for jihad? Come on, Imam Musab starts his own jihad, and then Brother Suleiman starts his own jihad, and Mustafa starts, everybody is starting their own. No. There are rules, right? And it is only to be used in certain times, because Islam did not come for war. That is not the intention of Islam. Allah says, You have been sent as mercy to mankind. But at times, mercy... Uh, requires fighting hmm? and so we should not be afraid to say that yes this is a command of Islam and this is part of Islam and understand it to a certain degree so if we are asked about it we are able to explain what is the understanding what does the term mean in the Quran what does it mean in the Sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is number one. Now, it, it, it has been uh, taken away from us and translated or interpreted as what? Terrorism. Uh, no, no, not only terrorism, they call it what? Holy war. We don't have holy war. Nowhere in the Quran does Allah say holy war. Mubarakah. <laughs> There is no holy war. There is war. War is what? It is a necessity. Allah says, he's, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says what? Avoid it as much as possible. And he tells Rasulullah sallallahu Whenever your enemy says, we want peace, give them peace. And they rely on Allah. Don't say, oh, well, no, rely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is a command of Allah. 
right? So Islam did not bring war, but it is a necessity that at times you have to resort to. And it is not considered holy. Yes? What is considered, uh, uh, it is considered a great deal because in it people will sacrifice what? They will sacrifice their lives for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the purpose of it is to what? Establish justice. To establish what? Justice. Justice. <clears throat> not anarchy, not injustice. It's to establish justice and to bring people to what? In contact with the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So any obstacles are to be removed. This is what? Number one, the term jihad. Number two is that in, in the Quran, so does it mean that we can't, if a person is in, um, in a war, and this war is what connected to what? Protecting the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whether it is correct, uh, the, the lands of Islam, the borders of Islam, and so on and so forth, then you are not allowed to turn your back. But there is what? There is a condition. The condition is that in the beginning of Islam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed in the Quran, إِنْ يَكُمْ مِنْكُمْ عَشْرُونَ صَابِرُونَ يَغْلِبُهُمْ Initially, Allah had commanded that if there are 20 believers, they would do, they would overcome 200 enemies of Islam. Which meant that if there was 20 and the army of the enemy was multiplied tenfold, you were not allowed to retreat. You were not permitted. And then eventually Allah says, Allah has lightened the burden. Because of your weakness. Or else in the sight of Allah, one person will overcome an, an entire army of why because this person is on truth and they have Allah with them and the rest are all on falsehood all the anbiya of Allah came alone and did they or did they, they overcame all even right and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran وَلَقَدْ سَبَقَتْ كَلِمَتُنَا لِعِبَادِنَا الْمُرْسَلِينَ إِنَّهُمْ لَهُمُ الْمَنْصُورُونَ وَإِنَّ جُنْدَنَا لَهُمُ الْغَالِبُونَ That Allah has already predestined that messengers are going to be supported by Allah, even if it is one, on his own. They will overcome. And the, the army, وَإِنَّ جُنْدَنَا لَهُمُ الْغَالِبُونَ Those who are part of the group of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they will always overcome. Why? Because they are on truth. And truth is supported by Allah. Truth and justice is supported by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says, the weakness is not in me, it's not in what, what I can do. The weakness is in you. And he says to Sahaba, yeah. Right? If there is a hundred, they will overcome two hundred. If there is a thousand, they will overcome two thousand. Which means that if the enemy is, the number of the enemy is twofold, then you are not allowed to, up to twofold, you are not allowed to turn your back. If it is beyond that, you are permitted. Understood? So, because of this, what? Yeah. Statement of. So, we, so, now that has given us what? Three exemptions. So, turning your back in the battlefield and fleeing is a major sin. Unless you are doing what? Number one is? Tactical. Is a tactical yeah, war of, uh, tactic of war. Number one. You're, you're, you're giving the impression that you are fleeing in order to? come from a different side or attack again, this is number one. Number two, that you are going to a group of people that are in need of your support. Number three, if the army is, the, the, uh, the, the enemy 
is multiplied or they are in, the number is more than two folds that of the Muslim army. Then a person is is permitted. Some uh, scholars consider the jihad is the pillar number six. So. Ah, uh, the sheikh said that certain scholars have considered jihad to be the sixth pillar of Islam. Hmm? And it is, because it has been mentioned like that in the hadith of Rasulullah. Yes, brother. This is not his holy word, it's those who are Afghanistani that I mean, it is those who are. Yes, it's it's jihad. you're defending a land. That's the definition of Yes, so yeah, so defending your land, it's only considered jihad if it is Muslim land. Yeah. So jihad is of a few types. Number one is if you are defending your personal honor, your personal life, and your personal belongings. This is number one jihad. Why? Because you are fighting injustice. Somebody wants to take your life. Somebody wants to take your wealth. You are fighting in order to stop them, to stop injustice. Because if you don't do it, then this person is going to take what belongs to you, and then they will go from you to somebody else, and then to somebody else, and then and they say what? All it takes for evil to, pre to prevail is for good people to do nothing. And that is not permitted in Islam. Okay, you have to fight evil. said, If you have the ability to change evil with physically, then change it physically. For example, somebody comes to take something that, that you own. Don't don't let them take it. Fight. Right? If you cannot, you are physically weaker. It is a woman, uh, for example, a Muslim woman, and the person is what? Uh, a man. Then she has to do what? At the very least, if you can't change it with your hand, then change it with what? Tongue. With your tongue. Ask for someone to support you in, in stopping the injustice. Right? And if you cannot even do that, then you feel bad in your heart. Whether that is injustice towards you or injustice towards somebody else. So this is one form of jihad. The second form of jihad is what? Is when the enemy of Islam seeks to... Uh, restrict the spread of the message of Islam. Okay? And you find no, you know, you try to negotiate, but there is no negotiation. They refuse to allow you to convey the message. Right? So now you are what? You are doing it to, and this is إِعْلَاءُ كَلِمَةِ اللَّهِ In order to convey the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because if this obstacle is not removed, many people are going to be what? Led astray because the mess they, they are not going to come in contact with the message with revelation. So for that reason you will have to remove this obstacle. This is number two. Or number three, if fighting on behalf of your land, meaning that this is a land that is established, it belongs to Islam. Right? It is a land of Islam. And you have an enemy that is not Muslim seeking to take that land. Then fighting in order to protect that land is what considered as as jihad. And there are different types of jihad. There is one jihad where you are defending. There is no doubt about this, and there is no difference of opinion. That you are to defend the deen of Allah, and you are to defend the land that belongs to Islam. Yes, there are conditions. One very important condition is that it has to be done in an orderly manner, which means that you are to follow what? The leader. The, the leader and the authority, right? You have to. You cannot just proclaim yourself like 
some uh, that we hear about. Two times jihad al-talab and jihad al-daf in Arabic. So this is this is what we are we are explaining. So this is what defending. This is what is known as jihad al-daf, and then jihad al-talab is to without the enemy coming to you, you are seeking the enemy, right? So you are coming out and you are starting the war. And here there is a difference of opinion in relation to when does it happen? Does it happen when you know that the enemy is preparing, right? You receive information or you are assuming that there is a possibility that the enemy is going to attack and so you go out before them. For example, the battle of Tabuk, Rasulullah heard that the Roman uh, Byzantine had uh, began to assemble their armies in order to attack Rasulullah. So Rasulullah came out before they even, before they even uh, reached. So Rasulullah came out to receive them. This is Talab, but he didn't wait for them to come. Rasulullah came out himself, right? Uh, or in occasions where, let's say, for example, m Muslim minorities are living under non-Muslim rule and they are oppressed. Yes? So then we don't sit around and say, well, the enemy is not coming to us and for that reason we are not going to do anything. No. You are supposed to do what? In order to uh, establish justice and to free those Muslims, the Muslim army will have to, they have to come out. But all of it is done under what? The guidance of scholars and the authority of a leader. Right? Without that, it cannot be it cannot be left in the hands of people to interpret verses as they want and ahadith as they want and people come out with uh, you know interpretations about the verses of surah at-tawbah and ahadith of rasulullah sallam <coughs> was sent to fight people until they say la ilaha illallah so now we we have to fight the whole world hmm? so what do you say about <laughs> what rasulullah did with the bedouin tribes who came to him and accepted his authority, they did not become Muslim, they remained Mushrik, and Rasulullah accepted from them. Right? So, uh, it is what? This is the result of, it is the result of lying against Allah, right? Interpreting the verses of, of the Quran and interpreting the ahadith of Rasulullah in a way that serves your purpose, what you want. You want to go to war. So what I do is, I bring a few verses, bring a few ahadith, and a person that doesn't know anything, I just, you know, create this ideology, and I feel it in their mind that they are going to go and cause havoc in the world, in the name of Islam. But any intelligent person knows that this has nothing to do with Islam. It is what? Misinterpretation of Quran and the ahadith of Rasulullah Anyway, so the kabira number 14, it is lying against Allah and his messenger. And kabira number 15, it is what? Fleeing from the battlefield. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us more understanding and to enable us to refrain from these major, major sins.